We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us as always. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. It's Professor Vince with his notepads. Ready. Scribbling and scribing as we get ready to go. I'm Sean Styers. How are you tonight? I'm great, man. I, I wore my IB pullover to school today. I was just, I was feeling IB this morning. And I'm very you know IB. What? Let's go. I'm going to, I'm right. going all in. And uh, so I've actually been thinking about the show most of the day, believe it or not. Have you now? And, uh, even though okay. I was late getting back to some of your texts, apologies. That's but, all right. Uh, Things I, happen. Things happen at the day job. So <laughs> yes, they do. But I'm very excited about tonight. This is going to be, I'm, I'm very interested to see where we go with this because we, we did not compare notes. Me too. Part of the fun of it. Yeah. I'm curious to see like how much we match up on, how, you know, how much we differ on yeah. some of this stuff. So be very interesting coming up in rapid fire in a little bit. Of course, we had conference championship games yesterday yeah, we in did. the NFL Eagles and chiefs headed to the Super Bowl third time in four years for the Chiefs, second time in the last five years for the Eagles. And of course the Kelsey brothers are both ready. I don't know if we're ready for it. You big jabronis. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you see, did you see, uh, I guess it's Travis Kelsey, the the uh, Chiefs. I, I I mixed them up there. The Chiefs tied in, calling yes. the Cincinnati mayor a jabroni. Did he really? After that the game last night, great. <laughs> yeah, and when I think of jabroni, when I hear someone say jabroni, I think of two things. One is, uh, you know, you remember in the uh, in wedding crashers. Yep. That's like exactly what that's exactly the only thing that comes to my head. So that's curious right. to see what your second one is, because that's the only one that comes to my bed. Jabroni. Yes. Yeah. So uh yeah, so that's the first one. And the second one is the Iron Sheik, who uh he's got a Twitter account. I don't know. Oh. Were you ever into wrestling at all? Like Dude, when you were younger? I yeah. tried. I tried Pro real wrestling. hard. I went to like a party in high school where they were watching one of those big wrestling th- and I just just couldn't do it man like it just could not jump into it so yeah yes <laughs> but so the iron sheik has been you know like calling people jabronis for years and he's got a twitter oh, account where okay. he'll just like randomly you know like start you know calling people jabronis and of course he he tweeted <laughs> uh you know a video of travis kelsey with his jabroni and he called him like bubba jabroni or something like that last nice. night so 
Nice. Yeah, so those those are the two things that I think of: Wedding Very Crashers good. and Iron Sheik. Would I? Very good. Very from. good. Yes. I dig it. So I got in last night just in time to see the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship oh, game. Oh, wow. So you missed. And basically, I saw everything you didn't see. And yeah, you that's saw right. You I saw the first see. three quarters. I <laughs> Yeah, I saw the last quarter, basically. Okay. Which you didn't, I, I guess. It yes, sounds that, like, is, because... that is true. But I, I have gone through and I've done my homework. and I Okay, see, okay. I, good. But yes, I did not see that particular part. I was playing chauffeur to teenagers. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this before okay. we get into some of these other topics is the like the day after the conference championship mm-hmm. games is this Saturday today or is it next Sunday you know next weekend when there's no football the weekend in between the Super Bowl which is Saturday the day after the conference championship games when you've got two or the yeah. you know that the full weekend before the last game basically well I'm going to go with the full weekend before the full weekend in between because not only do we not get football but we have to watch whatever the nonsense is for the Pro Bowl now. Not that we were watching a game really before, but at least it looked like a game to a degree. Now we've got to watch long drive contests and arm wrestling and all kinds of other nonsense that I just, you know what? If you're going to get voted to the Pro Bowl, now it's just a point on your resume. Like, yeah, that's it. I mean, Don't even that's really all it was before. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously not even playing now, but like, yeah, like Tyler Biotish, the Cowboys center, just got named to the Pro Bowl because uh, Jason Kelsey can't go because he's going okay. to the Super Bowl, and it's like, does it really matter? There's not a game there, no. right? You know, you're named to the you're named to the Pro Bowl. Okay, you're you're basically just named to a random list, basically because yes. Pro Bowl doesn't even matter. It's all pro that actually matters. It's like, which is also know, Biotish list. is only getting named because he you know was an alternate to begin yes. with, so. right? And before when they're naming alternates right before it's because they actually needed a physical body to participate in the game right why are they even bother naming alternates now because they're one right. down for flag what difference yeah exactly like, I don't, like I don't why understand. even name that guy it's like yeah. nobody cares it's a flag football game or a tug of war or whatever they're gonna do yeah. you know doesn't matter at all That's so they should just do point. away with naming alternates because guys can't participate it makes no sense it's stupid no, great point. Great yeah. point. Hit the like button if you would while you're here. Subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five star review on uh, your podcast channels. I the reason I could only watch the fourth quarter last night. I was out at NC State doing the women's basketball game, Notre Dame, of course, and you know they were down two players. They were already without Dara Mabry, and now Lauren Ebo is yeah. out with a leg injury. And I'll give you all that I can on that in a second. Interesting though. They lost 69 to 65. And as I sat back and looked at the last three games in two in the last two seasons between Notre Dame and North Carolina State, they played twice last year. Notre Dame lost 66 to 63 to the Wolfpack in the NCAA tournament. They won 69 to 66 at home in the regular season last year. And then again yesterday, 69-65. So like all three of these games have been played in this what like six point window in the mid in the mid 60s between the two they are very very even the way it's it's come out you know nice game for maddie westbeld yeah double double 19 points 13 rebounds kassan prosper stepped up hit a couple of threes in the fourth quarter uh back-to-back possessions made it a three-point game after they got down by 
16. It just like, you know, I don't know how much you got to see of that, Vince, but it took him a while. It, like, you know, it took him a half to get comfortable without Mabry last mm-hmm. week against Florida State, and that was with Ebo starting. And now Ebo is out yesterday, and it just seemed like, you know, maybe too much of an adjustment that quick, uh, you know, to to have to make that adjustment again. And and NC State just, just kind of jumped him, got up by 16. And, you know, again, Notre Dame made a really good effort to come back, but just couldn't quite push through the finish line there at the end. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, it just feels like, okay, Notre Dame has a ton of talent. They're deep. Now they're going to have to obviously get used to playing a different style, a different brand, but they haven't been able to put together a full game in a while, it feels like. It just feels like there's a quarter or a half where they just can't shoot for whatever reason. And then the the next quarter rolls over and it's like, oh, all of a sudden they're nailing everything. They just need to be able to put together a full game. That second quarter yesterday was just absolutely brutal. I mean, absolutely brutal. Weren't they like three for 13 or something ridiculous like that? And uh, you know why I know that, Sean? Because I read your article on irishbreakdown.com. So people need to head over there and check that out. (laughs) But, I mean, you can't go three for 13 and expect to be competitive against a top 25 team, a top 20 team in this case. And they just got in, they dug themselves too big of a hole and just couldn't get themselves out of it. And without Ebo is that, that middle presence, you know, that big body, that middle presence, it's just really tough. Yeah. And, uh, Shepard, I guess, wants to, wants, wants an update of the Lauren Ebo status. I will tell you all I am allowed to tell you. Uh She should be back fairly soon. She was, you know, she was in a walking boot yesterday and obviously i knew she was in the walking boot before yesterday's game and was not really allowed to say anything you know before we went on the air and then i looked down on the court and uh you know there she is walking around in the walking boot so it from what i've been told if the ncaa tournament it would have been yesterday she probably would have played but she's just got you know a little bit of a tweak of the leg 
that they you know that they want to be careful with, especially since they are at a point now where you're again you're already without Dara Mabry for the rest of the season, and she is such a vital integral part of this whole thing. She is yeah. she's day to day. So whether that means she's going to be back this Thursday at Boston College or next Sunday against Duke, they're 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 taking it easy, being very very cautious gotcha. with it. They don't want it to turn it you know like aggravate it and have it turn into something worse than what it is so makes sense i mean yeah. these games matter don't get me wrong they're conference games they matter At the end of the day when you need her is acc championship you know NCAA right double tournament you know that and that's not that far away when you right. think about it like i was just looking today there's only eight games left in the regular season <laughs> right now to be here before you know it it I is mean, the calendar turns the end of tomorrow right so all of a sudden we're in right. february you're down to the home stretch. And then as soon as you hit March, I, I believe that because it's always that first week of March, it's sectionals for uh, boys basketball in Indiana, but it's also the ACC tournament for right. the women. Yep. So Same time. Yep. It's it. it that's going to be here it's before coming. you know it. You know, it's February coming. is a short month. So that's right. John, I don't know about this take. Yeah. That's NFL why I is that irrelevant. One. I don't know about this take, John. You might, you know, like considering the uh, the NFL last year had 82 of the top 100 rated television shows yeah. in America and you know the Super Bowl is going to get well over 100 million and the Cowboys you know that Cowboys Giants game got like 40 some million that's yeah. just a huge number today you know it's like i realize some people might not like the NFL but irrelevant oh. I don't think you can call it irrelevant. Yeah. Look, there's issues with the NFL. I get it from a political whatever. and every, But at the end of the day, this is accurate. Irish Shytown, the NFL Pro Bowl is officially irrelevant. Yes. It's been irrelevant for a little while. The NFL is actually the most relevant sport yes. there is in the United Correct. States based on popularity. And how do we base the popularity on pack stadiums and the yeah, viewership TV, TV on TV? Viewership. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing beats the NFL on TV. 100%. And you can agree with it or not disagree with it. You know, not agree I mean, with it. But Where does this come? Where does this come oh, from, Derek? Wow. Wow. Like, he, he's, he's, I'm he's, in your head. I'm living rent with free with, with my boys in your head, Derek. He's poking at you. I mean, I haven't. Did, did I say the C word? You said the game. The, you said the, the game. game. You brought up the Cowboys uh, Giants game. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. True. I guess I did. It, I, now I'm in my own head, but it was the most viewed regular season game ever and over 40 million. It's like almost half the viewership of the Super Bowl. That's yeah, that's a big number. So that's yeah, the, the NFL is not irrelevant by any stretch of the imagination. That's why millions of people tune in to watch. The, did I say people's? Millions of people, <laughs> millions of people tune in to watch the NFL draft for goodness sake. Like it's very relevant, regardless of what some people want to say, you know. So, you know, it is, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I respect that. But right. Some very, people like college relevant. more, obviously, you know. Which I is think, great. Yeah. I mean, if you broke, if you broke it down, if you're an NFL fan, there's probably a greater chance that you are also a college fan than maybe Absolutely. the other way around, I guess, yes. you know. Yeah. I agree with that. I yeah. There's more college fans, but then again, there's less. Co there's less NFL teams. There's more college teams, so your, right. your viewership is spread out a little bit more. So that's part of it, right? But right. Fo football in general, 
is not irrelevant. And you have <laughs> what, general. like four times as many Division One, you know, college teams yeah. as you have NFL teams. So yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's get to the main topic. What do you say? You want to do this? Do yeah, let's let's do this because this is going to be very interesting to see where you fall on some of this. I and I'm not even. No, no, let's go. Let, let's do this. Let's okay. Go. All right. Flexes and whiffs. Flexes yes. and whiffs. We're looking at the top flexes. Speaking of the Iron Sheik, the top flexes and whiffs of the first year of the Marcus Freeman era at Notre Dame, you big jabroni. So <laughs> you want to start with a couple flexes? Like, I, I, okay. I don't know how deep your list is. I have a few for each. I think I have yeah. like three or four probably for each, something like that. I just started writing, and I think you could probably combine a few. You know what I mean? So, like, I've got five of each. Okay. But again, I feel like I could combine, and actually, some of my whiffs and flexes you could kind of talk about together. You know Ooh, what I mean? So, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Of course, viewers, feel free to to throw Jump your in, own baby. out there if you Jump have some in. suggestions. So, what's what's like what's like top of your list of your flexes? What's the biggest flex that Marcus Freeman can claim from his first season as head coach? Well, I think it goes without saying. Hit one of the biggest reasons he was brought in as the head coach is his recruiting. I mean, and, and the way that he goes about recruiting his success rate when it goes about recruiting. Yeah. They missed a couple of big fish. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, they hit on a very, very good class in his first official class, right? The 23 class is a very good class. Okay. Could have been better. No doubt about it, but he is a relentless recruiter. And it shows with where he goes, when he goes, how he does it, the houses that he hits, all of that is incredibly impressive. So yep. yeah, recruiting's got to be the number one because that is what is going to make or break his tenure as the Notre Dame head football coach is how he recruits. Yep. Top of my list as well. I mean, and you look at the 2023 class, the fact that even without Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen, who are obviously five-star guys, right. No they still signed 24 stars, which if you go back to the 2020 and 21 classes, it's almost as many four stars as they got in those two classes combined. And now the 2022 class, I think, had 17 off the top of my head, which he also you know, played a big factor in. It was more than the previous two seasons, not combined, but more than the previous two seasons anyway. So like. We've talked before about you need to start stacking classes back to back. And with him contributing to the 2022 class and then being the the point man for the 2023 class and already, you know, with a good start on the 2024 class, that is definitely the biggest flex that Marcus Freeman has had since since taking over a little more than a year ago. And we got a comment about recruiting. I want to throw it up because Anthony makes a point here that I want to address. He said, did Marcus miss on those recruits or did his position coaches miss on them? Well, in my opinion, he hired those position coaches. So the buck stops with the head coach. That's what we're talking about. We're not, we are not dissecting the recruiting prowess of the assistant coaches. We are dissecting Marcus Freeman. And so if one of his coaches is not a good recruiter, who does that fall on? I mean, if I'm the boss, I well, especially since he said you better be a good recruiter yeah, when absolutely. when he you know if you're gonna if you're gonna be an assistant on this staff you better be a good recruiter. Yeah, hundred so. percent. And so that has to fall on him, and it will continue to fall on him if he 
you know, if they don't turn it around or if he keeps them around or whatever the case may be, Buck stops with the head coach. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that, including Marcus Freeman. So, right. And, you know, and, and I'm not sure which way Anthony is going on this, but I mean, everyone's going to miss at some point, right? Because otherwise oh, yeah. your, your class would just be full of five-star guys and, and right. you'd be Georgia and, you know, but you know, there's, there's obviously very few programs who, you know, Alabama, Georgia, you know, who can sort of stake that claim at, right. in, in that echelon. And that's where Notre Dame is trying to get right now. But my, my point is, you know, you're, you're not going to win every recruitment. There's always going right. to be some that get away, no matter what. There's always going to be some 100%. disappointments. But again, when you looked at, you look at the greater pool, the fact that you do have 24 stars, which is, the most they have had, you know, again, like go back to that. I think that 1992, um, you know, class that Tom Lemming was talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a really big collection of talent. And yeah, so I don't, I don't think you, you know, you can totally disregard it because you missed out on a couple guys that you'd like to have. But right. you do have to hold your your assistants accountable. Like if that's no. really going to be your standard, that your assistants have to be high level recruiters. You've got to hold them to that standard, and you know, like maybe sometimes it's going to mean some discomfort, you know, some uncomfortable yeah. conversations like you have with players. You know, just because they're your friends, you still got to hold them to the standard if they're going to be assistant on your staff, and and that's what you're telling everybody the standard is. Hundred percent, absolutely. He's going to have to, and that's where he's going to show his medal as a leader, right? As the as the head football coach at Notre Dame, is what is that going to look like as he moves forward as a head coach? Is it just going to be, hey, you're here, let's go? Or is it going? Is he going to have those hard conversations with those coaches? Is he going to be able to make those changes if he needs to make those changes? Like this year is going to be very key to seeing what kind of leader he is to the rest of the coaching staff. Right, right. I think we can all agree that he's a good leader to the program and to the to the players. But what kind of leader is he going to be of the other adults that are in the Goog? I think that is still a question mark. I, I don't think we know the answer to that because yeah. I don't think you can cut bait with a guy this early on. Like after a year, I don't think you can cut bait with a guy unless he's, I mean, absolutely horrendous or does something that he shouldn't be doing or something along those lines. I think giving yeah. them an extra year is totally fine as long as you're willing to have those tough conversations that, hey, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. It's not good enough. I need right. to see more, you know. Is he or will he have those conversations? We're going to find out. I think we're absolutely going to find out. And, yeah. you know, if Al Washington can secure Justin Scott, arguably the best 24 recruit that's on the board right now, and hold on to him until signing day, maybe we're having a different discussion on Al Washington. Just throwing that out there. Not saying that is or isn't, but, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, Derek says he likes that. Freeman's balance, not like Charlie Weiss let the, uh, you know, the defense basically didn't exist in his recruiting. He needs to know an elite quarterback and offense special teams too. I agree with that. And Anthony says, <laughs> just like Salty holds me accountable for starting this show. That's Absolutely really true. You got to have those tough conversations. That's right. That's uh -huh. right. So we both agree on that one. I'm going to go the first one I'll toss out. Hiring okay. Brian Mason. As a special teams coordinator. Okay, okay. I don't okay. know if you had that on your list or not. I was a little you know, more again, broad. Like, 
but this yes. is a very yeah it's a very broad kind of wide open you can come at this from all different angles but you know it's you know he had had some success at Cincinnati but the fact that he was able to get him over here on a you know from a program that had just gone to the college football playoff and to get him here and to very quickly raise the level of special teams play which had just basically been an afterthought for the previous what five or so years under Brian Kelly and and Brian Polian they they were they were really just there so that they wouldn't be a liability they were never really a true asset you know there were some things they did okay you know they they secured the ball okay they punted the ball okay you know some of that depended on who was punting and kicking it became a true asset and to get a guy like brian mason who has given them a true third facet of the game in such a short order you know and we went through a couple of weeks ago that whole list from you know that that tweet chain that brian mason had about all the great things that they did with special teams like being one of the top field position you, you know basically the best yeah. field position that notre dame has had starting field position and also keeping the opposition you know in in worse field position all those different things so I, I think it was a great coup to get brian mason and i think it was a big flex for marcus freeman to get again to get him away from luke fickle and a program that had just gone to the playoff so I will piggyback off of that. And I, I I actually had staff hiring just as a whole. Because one thing Marcus Freeman has never done as a head coach is hire a staff. And you and I have been head coaches, yes, at the high school level. Hiring an assistant coach and a, an entire staff is not an easy thing to do. Okay? And to expect that he's going to hire the perfect person for every single position that's unreasonable and that is unlikely. Okay. Right. But I would say overall, if you go down the list of all the guys that he either retained or hired flat out, especially considering he was planning on keeping guys that decided to leave for promotions. And so he kind of had to go out and kind of change some things around and go get some different guys and things of that nature. I think he pretty did a pretty darn good job of putting this staff together. Yes. People have issues with the Al's Al golden, Washington, okay, legitimate. There's some concerns there in some of the different areas, right? But if you look at everybody else on that list of guys that he either retained or went out and got, those are wins. And his hit rate on assistant coaches is pretty stinking good, yeah. in my opinion. And that's, like I said, as a young guy who's never hired a staff before, he's never done it before, hiring a staff like this, I think – I think that's a flex. I think he did a really, really good job with that particular thing. And that is tough to do walking in the door. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what else you got? All right. So I will say, uh, you know what? This is going to maybe people aren't going to appreciate this one. I don't think quite as much, but I'm going to say media access. Okay. And I, and I actually have this on both of my lists. Okay. Interesting. So, so let's hit it on both sides then. I want to okay, hear both sides. Perfect. So my media access on the flex side is the access that we now have not only to the team, but also to the coaches. Right. Bringing out the coordinators every week. You know, we got availability for all of the early enrollees, as well as the transfer portal guys that are on campus 
We're going to be able to talk to every single one of those guys. That is unheard of at Notre Dame. Like we usually they kept the freshmen sequestered until they became sophomores. So not only <laughs> yeah. did you not get to talk to them as early enrollees, you didn't get to talk to them the entire fall. Right. Okay. Lucky if let you get to talk to them in the spring. Yeah. Exactly. And let alone the coaching staff who they usually made available once a year, I think on the bye week is usually kind of when they rolled out, you know, some of the assistants and things like that. Yeah. Like bye or, week, sometimes, you know, like right after the season going into the bowl game, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And then of course they would they would mostly be available. A lot of those guys would be available uh during signing day, which obviously used to be in February. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we got no access to the assistant coaches and we got no access to the younger guys. They spoon fed you certain guys that you could talk to. And so the availability to the actual team and the staff, I think, is really, really good. And it helps you specifically do your job a heck of a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. The negative side, the whiff, in my opinion, is our access to practice. Now, uh, I do understand it, especially in a first year. We actually got less access to practice. To real year. practice. The yeah. real actual like practice time. Like I think we got two completely open practices in the past and then some half practices, whatever. Uh, maybe it was even three. But either way, we got less access in Marcus Friedman's first year both the spring and the fall than we've ever gotten since I've been covering the team at least. And that was frustrating, very frustrating for me uh, that we weren't able to watch more like competitive reps and things like that. I'm not asking to be there all the time, obviously. And I understand with the first game being Ohio state, why they probably didn't want us around as much. And he was a first year head coach. So I get it. I just don't have to like it. I think that was a whiff. I think, you had an opportunity as the first-year head coach at Notre Dame as Marcus Freeman, and he's so affable and, and and all of these things. If you opened up practice a little bit more, I feel like that would have only benefited the hype train for Notre Dame at that point. But they kind of just closed ranks and shut it down. So Right. I didn't like and when that. you look at like how they were doing things, it's not like they did anything that was so different that you were going to be giving anything away. You know? Right. Yes, and exactly. exactly. Every coach every coach has their own idea about how open you should be with practices. Like I believe Norvell down there at Florida State has open he practices opened them up during all. the season. I yeah. Mean, yeah. They have a ton of open practices. Yeah. Yeah. And I excuse me, I know I remember a couple springs ago talking to Kurt Weiler, who covers Florida State down there, having him on the old show, like they were like, there was a like spring. They were had like, I think they might've had every practice was like fully open to them down there. Now, again, maybe that's a little bit too much. I don't sure. know, you know if we need not quite that far, but you know, four or five full practices. So you can get a real idea of what's going on out there. I just, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like, only having that first half hour, 45 minutes when you're stretching and going through individual drills. Just completely. You know, really, all you're doing is like letting people see, okay, who's who's not, you know, who's who's not healthy today. Right. You know, and it's other than that, 
Yeah. You're not getting a whole lot out of it. And you're going all the way out there for like 20 exactly. minutes of access. And then you have to stick That's around. That's the thing. People driving back and forth yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. And, and people like yourself have to stick around for the press conference that comes after practice. And it's just, I don't know. I, and I realize those are first world problems because everybody in this chat would love to go see these guys stretch and warm up. I get yeah. that 100%. It's just a little more access would be nice. And then we could give you guys even more information. Because, you know. You know, the other side of it, too, is you can say it's open, but you can also say there's not going to be any cameras for this practice. You know what I right. mean? Like, like Absolutely. You, can, you can run your cameras for the first 20 minutes during those stretching and a, and a couple drills. But after that, all cameras off, which they do. That's most, what they did you know, in the past. The most part. They shut yeah. cameras down when you are there for a full practice. You know, they don't want you getting right. everything. They don't want they don't want you. You know, like getting them running plays and showing their schemes and all that different kind of stuff. And they've actually said in the past, like, hey, you know, you guys are here, which is awesome. Don't report on this particular drill. Like that that has been, you know, or this particular team period. Like, don't give specifics. You can talk about the players, you know, but don't give. Okay. Like, we all understand that. Or at least I would say 90% of the people that are there understand that edict. And none of us want to go give away Notre Dame secrets. Like that's not why we're there. You know, that that's not our goal whatsoever. We just want to inform fans about how the team looks, what they're doing, you know, all of those different things. So Michael's got a question. We were, you know, talking about Marcus Freeman's recruiting. I'm curious to see what you think about this. He says, bottom line, the four recruiting platforms are saying that Notre Dame has zero first round NFL draft talent. So do you believe that? Yes or no? I mean, are we talking about, like the 2023, like the incoming guys right now, the guys who haven't oh, even yeah. stepped foot on practice and we're projecting yeah. three to four years from now, who's going to be a first round draft pick? I like, guess. I think that's what a five star is definitely. Were they projecting Michael like, Mayer and Isaiah Foskey as potential first round guys three, four years ago? I don't know. Like, right. I don't know enough about recruiting to be, and and nor does well, look, anybody else. There's a else reason Ben Roethlisberger was a first round draft yeah. pick. Played his played it at Miami, Ohio, and you can go down the line. Right. It, it, again, like going back to the coaching thing, guys develop at different rates. So, yeah. like sitting here trying to project who's going to be a first round draft pick Silly. in three to four years, there's, you know, why are you even playing the games <laughs> at that right. point? Right. It's it's silly. Like, I'm not going to get caught up in that. I, I believe that they're that they're bringing in a lot of really good talent, and if the Notre Dame coaching staff does their job, they're going to have a lot better chance to compete for championships, and a byproduct of that is also going to be you're going to have some guys drafted in the first round. Yep. You know? Yep. So. so the goal as a Notre Dame recruiter or any college recruiter is you are recruiting to make your team better. And you are recruiting to put your team together so that it is a championship team. That's what Notre Dame believes that it's doing. I believe that they're filling the proper holes with the proper guys. It's going to make this team better. If they win a national championship, guys are going to be first-round draft picks, period. And I'm sorry, but these recruiting rankings about who's going to be a first-round draft pick when they're 17 years old, that's ridiculous. I'm not saying, Michael, your question was ridiculous at all i'm just saying right the whole industry is ridiculous in my right. opinion right and for recruiting services again to try to be making those kind of picks because we all know there there are plenty of four and five star guys who turn into total busts or again mm -hmm. like if i'm using my ben roethlisberger you know 
comparison. There are plenty of three-star guys who end up being drafted in the first round and go on to Hall of Fame careers. You know, it's right. You 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 and you honestly get more busts, I think. You know, oh, than, I think so too. Yeah, the other way around. Absolutely. There's way more busts, and there's way more guys that come out of nowhere and all of a sudden are first round, you know, draft picks. I, it just, right. it all depends on the year. It depends on the class. I mean, there's so many things that it depends well, on. Yeah. And that's a great point too, because especially with the quarterback position, like, right. Is there, you know, like, you know, Bryce Young is a really nice college quarterback, you know, all things considered, does he really deserve to be the number one overall pick? It's it's a, a byproduct of the position that he plays and the right. year that it happens to be, and he happens to be, at least right now anyway, the highest rated. Like I've heard pl- plenty of draft evaluators say if uh, Justin Fields was in the draft this year, he would be the number one pick. Right, so. right. And that should tell you all that you need to know if you're a Bears fan. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So I, I've got kind of a combo flex slash whiff okay. to go along with, you know, kind of, you know, going along uh, your, you know, your line of thinking there. Obviously, losing to Marshall at home in your in your first home game as head coach, huge whiff Marshall, to come out and lose that game. And then just a few weeks later, after you'd gotten on a little bit of a roll, and you've beaten North Carolina, and you've beaten BYU to come back home again and lose to Stanford, another huge whiff. You know, so you've lost two games that you're not supposed to lose. But I would say, and um, I think that, uh, yeah, John kind of mentioned this earlier, Freeman has to be elevated to almost hero status for not losing the locker room after game six. And that is what he's talking about with the Stanford game and that, you know, so then, so you go from huge whiff losing that Stanford game, but then to be able to hold things together, yeah. win five of their last six games in the regular season, including the win over Clemson, you know, huge, huge flex to be able to beat Clemson and not yeah. just beat Clemson, but to, to beat them the way they did, you know, and like they pull, you know, they pull Uyunglele, they go to Klubnik, the whole thing. They had no answers. Notre Dame had right. all the answers that night. That was just such a huge flex for Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff. But, you know, to be able, to, again, to come off those losses, Marshall and Stanford, and yep. especially the second one, Stanford, when it looked like things had stabilized a little bit, and to, to not lose the locker room, keep everything together, beat Clemson, and then go into that last weekend against USC and still have a chance to get yeah. into a new year's six bowl. That was, that was still a big flex, even though they ended up, you know, not being able to, uh, to knock off USC there at the end. So I, I basically had the exact same thing under whiff. I had Marshall slash Stanford. It's a huge whiff. No matter how you look at it, that's a whiff. Right. And then under flex, I put course correction. And one of the things that we lauded, Marcus Freeman for even as a defensive coordinator. And we've talked about it on this show and other shows that I've done with Brian is that he does a very good job midway or after a game or whatever, after the Florida state game as a defensive coordinator, getting in front of his team, like, look, I had a bad call on, on that big play that they had. That's that's on me. You know, that's a bad call. I will do better, but I need you guys to do better as well. You know, that kind of a thing. 
he did a good job this year. Halfway through the season, he's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff that's not working right now. And we are hearing rumblings about the locker room and all of these different things that were going on. And all of a sudden, he's like, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. We need to change the way we're doing things. I need to change the way I'm coaching. I need to be more involved in this, 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 and this. We need to change it up. And he did. Mid-season. There's not a lot of coaches that can do that or that are willing to do that. He did it, and it paid dividends with the way that they finished things out. Yeah, of course, we all wanted to beat USC. No doubt about that. But the way they finished out the season, the way they finished out the Gator Bowl, the manner in which they did it, his course correction, I think, is one of the biggest flexes for Marcus Freeman as a coach in general like he was doing it as a defensive coordinator he was able to do it as a head coach that's really really impressive and that is going to pay dividends down the line as well because nothing's ever going to go how you predict that it's going to go right things are going to happen something's going to happen but for him to take a step back and be like okay I need to analyze how things are going and then I need to make some changes he's willing to do that People don't understand, man, when you're in a position of power, like the Notre Dame head football coach or a CEO or something along those lines, be able to do that and say, look, man, I was wrong. I need to change this midstream, man, that, that is rare. That's rare. And I think Notre Dame fans should be very happy to have Marcus Freeman around because of that. He's no jabroni. (laughs) No, he's not. He's not a jabroni. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. No, I completely agree. And that that was that was huge for him to be able to to make, you know, basically self-scout himself, not just his team, but himself and say, this is what I've got to do different. This is what we've got to do right. different if if we're going to make this work. And to be able to hold everybody together to be able to make those kind of adjustments, especially as a first year head coach, just huge. Big flex. Completely. Yeah. completely. Huge. Huge. I can't wait to see how he does with that moving forward. So yeah. Huge flex. All right. Since I kind of piggyback off your last one, I'm going to go, I'm going to over, go over to the whiff side. And I okay. kind of touched on it when I was just talking and I realized I said the, the term that I didn't want to say, but I did. It's the CEO thing. I think when that's a whiff for me. Okay. Because when he went into the season and the way that he hired his staff, he wanted to be the CEO mm-hmm. kind of hands off. I'm hiring a defensive coordinator to do his thing. I'm not going to micromanage. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to keep Tommy Reese. He's going to do his thing. I'm just going to be the head coach. I'll make the big calls. 
I'll be on the speaking circuit. I'll be the head recruiter, but I'm not going to micromanage the offense. And I'm not going to micromanage the defense. Minus the recruiting that, that was like very uh, Tyrone Willingham-esque, you know? Yes, like, absolutely. Yes, 100%. And like, it didn't work out. Like that didn't work the first half of the season. Yeah. And following the Marshall game, he got more involved in the way things were going in the linebacker room, the defensive room, the offensive room. Now he wasn't in there telling Tommy Reese what plays to call. Okay. But he did go in there and say, look, we need to do this, 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 and this in order to be more successful. And you saw kind of a turnaround with the way the offense was operating. Right. And I think that I was very impressed with the way that he kind of dove back in and he kind of inserted his will into the way he wanted this team to look offensively and defensively. He realized, look, I if, if the buck stops with me and I'm going to get the win-loss record, I need to be more involved in kind of how we're going about doing things. Yeah. And he realized that just being the CEO and being like, we want to run the ball, we want to stop the run. Like that was his you know, his mantra for like six weeks. And while I have no problem with that, it was a very defensive minded idea. Right. But he was just letting those guys do their thing. Mm -hmm. He jumped in, he got more involved. All of a sudden things got better. And that, so I guess it kind of is a whiff that turned into a flex, you know, uh, along those course correction, but like the start off of him being the CEO did not work. Like that was, that did not work. Yeah. And that's, kind of piggybacking off that you know my next flex was going to be the gator bowl and you could see a demonstratively different looking marcus freeman you could tell a guy who was a lot more engaged and you know in in coaching guys up in the course of the game than he was at any other point in the season you know and you know just I'm laughing because, you know, Derek has already called me out. And, I you know, I, I obviously don't want all my examples and analogies to be about the Cowboys. But there's obviously something very relevant going on down there right now. Mike, you know, they got rid of the offensive coordinator, which yep. I called for last week. Mike McCarthy. You already got a taken, job, Sean. How did I that know. happen? Went right to San Diego, or not San Diego, to the Chargers. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But my point is, Mike McCarthy – made his name in coaching when he was with the Green Bay Packers calling plays for the Green Bay Packers. He did not do that his first three years in Dallas. And now I'm not saying Marcus Freeman is going to take over the defense by any means, but he has a defensive background and a strong defensive background. And, you know, again, like we could start to see a little bit more fingerprints on that side of the ball by the time the Gator Bowl rolled around. And I think we can all agree that with, uh, you know, that being his strength market, you know, defense being Marcus Freeman's strength for him to be at least a little bit more involved on that side of the ball going forward would not be a bad thing at all. I would have zero problem if he basically named himself the linebacker coach. Like I know that he has to be, you know, but like bring in a, a you know a GA that is a linebacker centered guy that's great but Marcus Freeman is a linebacker coach and he can go do his thing but it worked for Nick Saban and I'm not saying Marcus Freeman is Nick Saban but it worked for Nick Saban he had a corners coach but he coached the corners you know and then you let Al Golden kind of do his thing and be more of a CEO of the defense you know and, and 
because there's things that I think Al Golden needs to do a better job of as the defensive coordinator. I think we all agree on that. And so that's what I would do. You know, just jump right back in. Do what you're good at. You can still peel yourself away and watch the offense and do the things you need to do as a head coach. But I will say that as a head coach, and I was baseball, right? But when I even when I was the offensive coordinator and I didn't have a position to coach in football, I gravitated toward a position group because I just wanted to get in there and, you know, work with those guys when it was individual time and things like that. It just made me a better coach, frankly, because I would go to positions that I wasn't, that wasn't my strength. Like I went to the offensive line and I was coaching those guys because if the offensive line isn't any good, it doesn't matter what plays you call, but that works for me. And I feel like that would work for Marcus Freeman. I feel like he needs to be a hands-on type of guy. And so that would be my suggestion to him if he ever asked my opinion, which he never will. But I that would be like, hey, man, just jump back in. Do what you do. Be a coach. Be a good linebackers coach and do your thing. And I think he would find a lot of success there. Yeah, I agree. Chi-Town says, Sean and Vince, do you guys feel like IBLL Zorich blue and gold to name a few overhyped the team and Coach Freeman, which led to the fan base feeling disappointed, especially early on? Not at all. I mean, I don't think anyone would have predicted that they would lose to Marshall and Stanford. And so, and it didn't matter who the coach would be. They could have hired Joe Schmo off the street, and I don't think any of us would have thought that they would lose to Marshall and Stanford. And so, I don't think they were overhyped. I think that was a 10-2 and football team. And I think a 10-2 and football team would have made people pretty happy, if I'm being honest. So, I don't think we overhyped them. I think that... It was there was a, a couple of whiffs within the season. And if everything was exactly the same, exactly the same, but they beat Marshall and Stanford, everybody's like, all right, hey, good first year for Marcus Freeman. Let's go. Right. You know, I don't I don't think that we overhyped it at all. Yeah. And would you really feel better had you beaten Marshall and Stanford, but you lost to North Carolina and BYU right. in back to back weeks? Right. Would you really feel that much better? I would feel exactly the same if I'm being yeah. honest, because those are games that you're supposed to win. That's yeah. exactly right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was a 10 and two. Now, again, you had to make an adjustment because you lost your starting quarterback. Sure. Yeah. Two games into the season. And that changed things quite a bit, even though they ended up winning, you know, eight games with the backup quarterback. Right. You just flat out laid an egg against two teams that you should have beaten. And and <laughs> that's going to be the biggest thing. Going forward, and we've we've talked about it since then. That's going to be my biggest question going into next year: Is Marcus Freeman past that as a head yeah. coach? Whether you know, and that's you know, again, like it landed on my whiffs, but it is it is kind of a lingering whiff, you know, if you get my drift. But you know, it's like, is that a thing of the past? It, is that a one-off situation or? Are we going to have to be worried, you know, every game, regardless of who the opponent is, that this team might not show up on a given day and you're going to blow your entire season losing a game that you should have won? Sure. And I think that's legit. I mean, I I, I think that's a legit concern until it's not, right? Until I'm proven otherwise that it's not a legit concern. You know, if they go out and they beat Navy the way they're supposed to, they boat race Tennessee State. You know, they're 4-0 going into, I believe it's the Ohio State game in week five. If they do everything that we think that they can do, then I will start to lose 
that thought process. But until, you know, again, you got to show it to me. You've got to prove to me that you can win those games and you can win those games the way you're supposed to win those games. Yeah. So until it's not a problem, it's a problem. And I'm going to have to agree, disagree with Terry Tyler too much up and down play on the defense. Was there up and down play? Sure there was. You know, there were things that that could have been better, specifically red zone and third down. Those are the two biggest glaring things. But too much you only gave up offense, 16 maybe. you only gave up 16 points against Stanford. You should have won yeah. that game. That's 100%. not on the defense. 100%. Yeah. Yes. 100%. And yeah. Michael's absolutely right. If we're talking about overhype, it's Deion Sanders. <laughs> yeah. You right. are not wrong, Michael Parks, because Deion's schedule is not for the faint of heart. Very true. All right. Anything else before we move on? Do you have anything else that you want to get off your list? Whiff, flex, flex, whiff, whatever it happens to be. So kind of a, again, kind of a flex slash whiff, right? I feel like they whiffed not getting quarterback in the transfer portal just as even an insurance policy. Like I wasn't, I didn't want them to get a quarterback who was like going to be the starter, you know, like a Keaton Slovis, that's what he wanted or whoever the mm -hmm. former USC quarterback was that wanted to come that JT Daniels wanted the Daniels, yeah. spot. Right. I didn't want them to go do that, but they needed to bring in somebody for depth. And of course that proved to be, a legitimate problem because of the injury right now i think i still think drew pine probably would have been the number two maybe that guy comes in and becomes the number two i wasn't looking for a starter but the problem is you were one play away of drew pine getting hurt to being at a true freshman in steve angeli and right. that was some very tentative waters throughout the season right, right. so that's the whiff the flex i think overall though is the transfer portal and the way that they've operated and the way that they've kind of changed the way they're doing things. They did go out and get the number one quarterback in the portal with Sam Hartman this time around. That turned in, it turned into a flex. And I think, look, Notre Dame's never going to go out and get 20 transfers. They should never have to do that with the way that they recruit, right? But they the transfers that they did bring in fit very specific holes in this team. And I think it's a flex for Notre Dame right now that's what they should be doing going forward one as the recruiting continues to get better you hope that you have to rely on it less but because you do have things like in three years a guy could be a first round draft pick or a second round draft right. pick and now he's going to go to the NFL rather than stick around for another year or maybe a guy or two transfers sure wherever there, there's always going to be a hole or two Correct. That you have to fill. And that's, as Notre Dame especially, that's what you want to use the transfer portal for. You don't want to be like USC. Now, again, I'm not like, you know, pointing a finger at USC because it was Lincoln Riley's first season. So there's not anything that he could do about the roster he inherited. He did what he had to do. And, sure. you know, he brought in guys in mass. But they're doing it again this wanna... year. <laughs> so, What's that? They're doing it well, again this year. So That's I mean, true. But, yeah. but, but they also had, you know, I know. again – I, I get know. what you're saying, yeah. but yeah, you you don't want to obviously have to lean on that year in and, and year out. Right. You want it to be kind of some stop gaps, fill some holes, sure, you know, strategic holes. And I, you know, it's a great point. To, and that was going to be my last one was the transfer portal and what they've done with this transfer portal to be able to go out and get a guy like Hartman and a couple other quality guys as well that fill very specific needs that they have that, you know, I, I think them up to be in really good shape heading toward next season 
it was a very targeted approach in the transfer portal. And I think they were successful in the guys that they were going after. And, you know, with the exception of uh, the defensive tackle from Michigan that ended up going to Florida State, with that, with the exception of him, I think they pretty much got everything that they wanted. If they would have gotten the fifth kid that went to Florida State and they got him, it's an A-plus-plus in the transfer portal because they got they would have had a defensive tackle, a defensive end, a safety, a quarterback, a wide receiver. It's like, check, 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 you know. And But, you know, they didn't get the defensive tackle that they wanted. So, you know, that's a miss. But overall, I think they're using the portal very intelligently uh, right now. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.